Give Jerry Jones my money? F*** that guy. I'm sick of this. It's not your cup of It's ridiculous. What the hell is going on? All right, everybody. This is the Philly Experience Podcast. Great to be with you tonight. Joined, as always, by Tyre Hood. Tanner Gomar, and I'm your host, Max Gretzula. Hope everybody's safe and well this weekend. And I'll tell you who's not well, Philadelphia Eagles. Off another loss this past weekend. Uh, they got a ton of problems. Injuries, we'll start with Lane Johnson and Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, already all ruled out for this weekend. against A bunch the of lowlifes. T, Tanner and I already dove into it on the bird's nest, so we'll give you the floor to begin with here. Can't be too happy with this team. The Ellas are building up. Only one win through five weeks. And also, it doesn't get any easier. we got the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. Lamar uh, Jackson comes to Philly. Uh-huh. It's not looking good. I am highly disappointed because, I, okay, we all predicted the loss. We, we all predicted, all three of us predicted, that the Philadelphia Eagles would lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, I did not expect that the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was really a team that's really built – um, today on its defense to keep teams pretty much under 20 points um, and for their offense to just pretty much grind everything out. That's pretty much how their team is built. I did not expect them to hang a 38-point bird on us. That I did not see coming. Okay, that was absolutely pitiful, outrageous, and just utterly stupid play calling on, on behalf of Jim Swartz. All right? It, this loss falls square on him. And I don't care what anybody says about his lack of talent, about the simple fact that, you know, he's he doesn't have any linebackers and all this types of stuff and, and the lack of cornerback depth and de- and safety depth. Look, all that stuff is true, and I'll, I'll give everybody that. That's perfectly fine. But what you cannot, you cannot make an excuse for is play calling. If you know that you have a deficiency, you do everything that you can to cover up that deficiency. Okay, for example, one thing that I thought was a strength on this team, it was our defensive line. But we only got to Ben Roethlisberger one time on Sunday. That's pitiful. That's sorry. That's just, that's outrageous. We're paying this defensive line so much money to get to the quarterback, but yet and still they're not doing the one job that we're paying them for, and that is getting to the damn quarterback. I'm sorry. There's no excuse for it. All right? There is absolutely no reason why this this defensive line should be underperforming the way they're doing. All right, we're not even going to talk about the linebackers. We already know that they're sorry, all right? We already know that. And then to make matters worse, and one of the things that I broke, and I broke it down on this week's Gridiron Films episode, all right, if, you're predic- if your defense is predicated on getting to the quarterback, then your corners ought to be playing closer to the line of scrimmage. If I'm not mistaken, if that's if that's that's your strategy, because when your corners play seven plus yards off the line of scrimmage, that allows, you know, the right receiver to first off get a free release. So now he's running at full force. Then that opens up a whole mill of possibilities like the comeback route, the curl route, the hitch route, you know, real quick, you know, five yard, five yard catch, you know, easy stuff. That's that's, you know, that can built momentum for an offense. And then when you start, when those cornerbacks, as we've seen with Jalen Mills year after year after year, when they start biting on that, uh, when they start biting on that route, then they get beat over the top. And that's all, that's pretty much what we see in the entire game against Pittsburgh. And I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. Maybe it's just me. I am so sick and tired of seeing the damn right receiver end around. Why have we not figured out how to stop that damn play? Or what? Are you kidding me? What is wrong with this team? What is wrong with Jim Swartz? We've seen yeah, it every listen, year, and it has I, not we, been we, stopped. We all agree with you. It's been a frustrating process, and I agree with you on the end of the round thing. It just it doesn't look like our linebackers have any speed to get to the outside and stop the uh, stop the receivers. Um, and I, I want to ask you this question here: We let Chase Claypool explode for seven catches, 110 yards. Now. <sighs> You think going into the game, if we're going to get beat by somebody, it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster right. or James Conner. But to have – now, I've been a Chase Claypool fan for years now. I know he's a good receiver. Being a Notre Dame college football fan, that's where he went to college. But to expect four touchdowns, on the, one on the ground, three through the air. And this Do we game, know it's hard? That's, that's pretty absurd. So 
Uh, why were we just struggling to contain this guy all day long? It was a lack of play calling and a lack of um, changing and adjusting to what's going on at hand. Listen, the game of football is like chess. You may come in with a strategy, but best believe you're going to have to change that strategy strategy and adjust your strategy according to what's going on on the, on the field. And that's as, that's about as basic as I can put it. All right. If you've seen that Chase Claypool was going off and pretty much beating every corner. All right. Let's make some adjustments. Let's have your linebackers drop off underneath. All right. If you if you're gonna have your corners play over the top of Chase Claypool, have your linebackers drop off underneath and really look after Chase Claypool. And then one of the most inexcusable things I think I have ever seen. Okay, Chase Claypool at that point had three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. How do you not know to keep an eye on him this time in the most crucial part of the game when he's lined up in the damn slot and you have your worst linebacker on the team? All right. Oh, and, and Nate Gary lined up against him. Are you kidding me right now? Where? Who was supposed? Nobody was going to call a timeout. Nobody was going to adjust. Nobody seen. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This ain't cool. This ain't cool. Call timeout or shift the defense. Oh, the only thing you're going to say in the press conference is, oh, well, you know, Big Ben just made a good adjustment and he made an audible. You, you, you make a stinking audible. You have plenty of time to make a damn audible your damn self. There's no excuses. <laughs> See, uh, the whole city of Philadelphia hears you on that point. Uh, Jim Schwartz, definitely not his best coach. Uh, now, Tanner, flipping over to the other sick. side of the ball here, we want to talk about Travis Fulgram and another huge game for him. Ten catches, 152 yards. Uh, listen, this guy's been great for the past two weeks. Now, small sample size, but you got to like his talent and what you've seen from him. One thing I, I haven't liked all season long was the inconsistency, and I brought this up on previous shows. Every other team, like you know, San Fran and Pittsburgh, they have a good uh, – well, I guess with the exception of George Kittle, they have a good way of spreading the ball around to their players offensively. Now, Travis Fulgham gets 10 catches, 152 yards. The next guy is Greg Ward with four catches. Like every every week, like I mentioned before, it's somebody new, and there's no consistency with this team. Now, listen, Travis Fulgham looks like the real deal, but Tanner, I mean, is this going to be uh, continuous throughout the rest of the season, or is it going to be another thing where – Oh, maybe Zach Ertz all of a sudden has a huge game because he struggled, you know, tomorrow or right. this weekend against uh, the Birds or against the Ravens. Excuse me. Now, if this is last week and you asked me this question, if Fulgham is going to play the same, I would have said that maybe he's just a one-hit wonder. But this Steelers game, I think, really proved that Fulgham is going to be our top receiver going forward. Whoa! Now, going into the season, you knew Godwin wasn't playing. Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson were not going to be on the field for quite some time. So you look to Greg Ward, as you mentioned, he had four catches, but just for 26 yards. And then our Sega white side, our Sega white side, he has 37 yards, just one catch. And before the show, T and I were discussing his celebration after that catch. And if it really would have mattered, if instead of celebrating, he quick hurried up, gave the ball, the official and, uh, got down the field. Even right. if it didn't but matter, that, it's still celebrating in that moment. Right before mm, halftime, right. too. I know you're trying to get down there, clock it, get a field right. goal before halftime. That bad move. But then going back to the inconsistency of these receivers and just this whole team uh, in all, you have Zach Ertz, just one catch for six yards. Miles Sanders had more yards than Zach Ertz receiving-wise in this yeah. game against the Steelers. Sanders caught two balls, 19 yards. And then since we're on Sanders, let's go to the run game. How inconsistent this run game is. I mentioned it on the bird's nest. Sanders gets that 74-yard um, run to the house in the first half of the game. Beautiful. He gets the, uh, the goal line run. draw play. And then silence the rest of the game. He finishes with 80 yards. Of course, he had some negative rushes uh, after that in a second. But it was just silence. Scott got the ball one time, rushed for three yards. Scott shouldn't even be getting Clement, the ball. Clement didn't even touch the ball. I, I would give Clement the ball over Scott. That's just me personally. Agreed. That's um the only but, problem uh, with Corey just, Clement is the simple fact that I, I don't I don't know what's going on with him, but he has regressed skill wise in certain areas in which you know came natural to him. On one we play, just don't want to run the football team. We but don't here's the thing the though. Here's the thing though in about the running backs in um this Philadelphia Eagles offense is the one it's one thing for them to be able to pick up yardage on the run and be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. But one of the more important things that they really value is pass protection. 
blocking for the quarterback. Corey Clement let up one of the sacks um, on a play-action pass, just completely missed the safety coming in on the blitz. And unfortunately, Corey Clement's not necessarily in high regards um, on this Eagles coaching staff right now. Yeah, it's a shame, too, because he had such a good Super Bowl season, and since then injuries have kind of hindered his progress, but he hasn't really even been given the opportunity to perform at a high level because he has Miles Sanders and Boston Scott working ahead of him. But listen, Miles Sanders gets 11 carries. Now I know they had Bud Dupree and that Pittsburgh defensive line is really good, but I don't know what it is with Doug Peterson not wanting to run the football. I mean, I really think he's a good offensive mind, but as the head coach and the offensive coordinator all in, mixed into one, sometimes I just think it can be too much. It's not that he can't do it. It's just I don't know why he doesn't want to focus on just, you know, just the head coaching role. Uh, I know he's called plays throughout his career here in Philadelphia. We're going backwards, damn it. Let's go. Would you guys like to see somewhat else come in here and maybe start calling these plays? I mean, he just doesn't want to run the football. I get it. You know, you have Wentz, and this is a passing league now. But to only run the ball with Sanders 11 times, I know he's getting bottled up. You just have to keep the defense honest. And, you know, you're right, Tanner. He did break that one run, and otherwise he was quiet the rest of the day. I just think you need to mix it up a little bit more. And he even tried doing the end arounds and stuff. Like, these other teams are doing it against us. You know, why can't we do it against them? One thing that we went out in the offseason and got was speed for these receivers. You know, that's what we were all talking about after the draft. John Hightower, names like that, how fast these guys are. We have to come up with a different strategy here. And, uh, you know, you know, kind of come up with a Sean McVay type of play, uh, like play calling, so to speak, where he just gets all these end arounds, motion guys moving all over the place pre-snap. And then all of a sudden you get Tyler Higby wide open down the field in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. That's one like, of the biggest complaints that people have this season is the is the lack of creativity in this offense. There and, is no. Yeah, there is none. And to answer your question, Max, I would love to have an offensive coordinator, you know, I. I'm not going to question Doug Peterson's play calling at times. It is questionable, but I will question his play design because now, because he doesn't have an offensive coordinator. So now everything falls on him. Um, His offensive, uh, his offensive creativity is really not there and it's really lacking. Like, okay, you can get guys open on slants and whatnot, but you know, where's the creativity? Where's like you said, where's the pre-snap motion to be able to get the defense leaning and confused. All right. And you have a guy running wide open in the middle of the field. Where's stuff like that. Like where, why is it that teams know exactly what this team's going to do each and every single week? That's an issue. There's no, there's a lack of creativity. Now, supposedly they brought back Marty morning wig and I, another guy that slips my mind. Um, they brought those guys back to, you know, help out with the play calling, not necessarily play calling, but the play designs and the creativity, but I'm, I'm just not seeing it. And why they give up on the run so much is beyond my comprehension. Yes, you're going to go backwards a couple of times, but guess what? If you're going to be a play action team, one of the things that makes Sean McVay's offense work is the run game. All right. Yep. It's that run game that opens everything up because if that run game gets working three, three, four, five yards a pop, guess what? Now it's second and it's second and six. It's second and five. Now you only got five more yards to get a first down. You don't necessarily have to go for a yeah. home run hit immediately. All you got to do is just get a base hit. And it's things right. like that. Sim- like you can complicate things and make things confusing, but simplify them all at the same time. And you're, you're, you're honestly, you're just confusing yourself. I don't know what the heck is going on with this offensive play design, but it's not creative. None whatsoever. Right. What you were mentioning about uh, spreading out the ball on the run game and just keep pounding it. Uh, we saw that on the other side of the ball. The Steelers, uh, McLeod, he's got he rushed twice, but he had 63 yards. Connor, 15 rushes, 44 yards. And then Snell, seven rushes, 19 yards. They're spreading the ball out. The Eagles, just Sanders and one carry for Scott. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I fully believe Sanders can, as we've mentioned on the show before, can be a three-down running back. Easily. I just don't understand. We're kind of wasting his talent at this point. Yeah, look, to mention uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense and their running game, I think one thing Pittsburgh realized last year was that James Conner is injury-prone. He's super talented but injury-prone. They go out and get Benny Snell in the draft. And they also get Anthony McFarlane Jr. in the draft out of Maryland. Uh, and these guys are really talented. McLeod, like you mentioned, two carries. And these guys spread a ball around, too, on the ground. I know Connor's the bell cow. He's going to get 15-plus carries a game. But when you have a guy like Benny Snell who can step right in there and contribute as well, 
Uh, James Conner doesn't have to be on the field every single play, and that's something we're lack, we lack right now. Uh, behind I want standards. winners. So, listen, these, things, these are things that we won't be able to address, um, at least not every single issue before the trade deadline. But uh, there's definitely big names that can be moved. Um, and I think, listen, uh, Wentz and his time here in Philadelphia, uh, they, it could be up soon. Uh, Jalen wow. Hurts, the people are saying that he's wow. looking really good in practice. This week he's actually playing the Mar- Lamar Jackson role on the other side of the football during the scrimmages that they're having in preparation for the game. So, I mean, we'll see. Zach Ertz is still another name I'd like to see get traded before the deadline. Listen, I'm, six targets on Sunday and only one catch for six yards. I mean, that just can't happen. This guy wants what? This guy wants $80 million to $80 million? He that, wants George Kittle money? Are you kidding me, Tay? This contract is really bothering Zach Ertz, and it's bothering him in a number of ways. One of the high, one of the plays that I highlighted on Gridiron Films this week was the one interception, that the first interception that Carson Wentz had. It was really on Zach Ertz. The reason being is that Zach Ertz is going to run his traditional in and out you know, he's going to break fake to the outside and then break inside. All right, that's one of his infamous routes that he's been very successful with in his career. However, he gets bumped on the route, and the first thing he does is put his hands up for a flag. Listen, and that's another thing, yeah. too, that it, it really that really irritated me on Sunday. All right, okay, the referees were bad, but there's no excuse. All right, I seen two complaints, and that was with Zach Ertz, and that was with the defense on that Chase Claypool screen for a touchdown. What the heck are you looking to the – Looking to the referees for to bail you out. No, this is a game of football. Man up, play football. All right, this isn't maybe Pampy Land. Don't be playing patty cake with them. Man up, do what you got to do. Zach Ertz, you are six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. All right, the the most a corner will weigh is two hundred, maybe a little over two hundred pounds. Are you bleeping kidding me? Move him out the way if he's in your way. And, Come on, you know, man. With Dallas Goddard being out, we thought Zach Ertz was going to step up his production, and I don't want to hear the double team excuse. If he's double team, yes, he'll have less production. That's just how it goes. But that leaves one-on-one situations for other players. You know, what's going on there? I guess you, your argument could be, yeah, we put up 29 points on the road against the Steelers. But when you don't play a complete game on both sides of the ball, you're nope. not going to win. And, you know, to make matters worse, you have to go face a rushing attack from Baltimore that's second to none in the league, their quarterback. Um, and also their running game, you know, like Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, a veteran that's been around this league a while. And then you have Hollywood Brown at his speed uh, to deal with on the outside. So, yeah, Darius Slay will get that, uh, get that draw, I guess you could the, say, this weekend. So. The Baltimore Ravens live off of pre-snap reads and confusion. All right, one of their favorite, um, one of their favorite formations is the pistol. The reason mm-hmm. being is that there are many variations within that pistol, especially when you have a dynamic quarterback like Lamar Jackson back there who – can fit it into anywhere that he wants to, not to mention the dynamic receivers that they have, including Hollywood Brown. I don't feel confident going into this game this Sunday against Baltimore. As a matter of fact, I think we're seven and a half point underdogs at home. Now, now bundled up to nine and a half point. Wow. Wow. I think, I think Hertz uh, sees the field and is playing for, more than just a play in this upcoming game against the Ravens. I hear you. Um, we're going to – it's just going to – for me personally, I think it's going to be a blowout. It and is. And I think that's the obvious answer. You'd uh, you'd like to say that the Eagles are going to surprise people, but I just don't see that happening. I'm not a betting man, but if I were to bet, I would not bet that the Eagles would come close to beating the Ravens. This is some and bullshit. Lamar Jackson, he's coming off an – average game for himself uh last week against the Bengals and I think he is just going to capitalize on this Eagles defense who have allowed the sixth most passing touchdowns at 10 yeah uh 100% agree I think he didn't even need to be a superstar last week against a poor Cincinnati Bengal team they only scored three points uh, got beat by almost four touchdowns there in Baltimore. So, in Tanner, in Tanner, I know you're the stats guy, but I I found this stat to be very interesting. One of the stats this that the this Philadelphia Eagles defense used to be good at was stopping and run. They were pretty they pretty much used to be top five. Now we're the 17th best rushing defense in the NFL. That's below average, and against yeah. this Baltimore Ravens team who likes to run a variety of run plays, including that zone read option in which we, for some reason or another, cannot stop for some reason because our ends keep crashing in. It's going to be a long day, fellas. Yeah. Just to add more insult to injury for the Eagles defense, uh, when a wide receiver gets that uh, running play, the Eagles are terrible with that. 
they're deceptible to they i think they if not the most they've given up a lot of rushing yards to wide receivers we saw it with claypool he had a rushing touchdown and that's just the theme for the eagles defense is just they have good people they have great players on the defensive line it's just the secondary as we mentioned over and over and over again there's a problem with that we got darius slay in the offseason still I just want to bring this stat up for you while we're on Darius Slay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have seen this, but if not, so Darius Slay, 196 snaps in coverage, 30 targets, 20 catches allowed, and 200 yards. I'm going to compare him to a blank player. This player's name is blank. All right. Okay. All right. 182 snaps in coverage, 24 targets, 16 catches allowed, 129 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. I wonder. Do you have a guess at this player? He was once I'm, on the Eagles. I'm guessing one of two players you're talking about. You I know exactly. You're either is. talking about Sidney Jones or Russell Douglas. Russell and if you Douglas. do, I'm going to lose Russell my freaking mind. Russell Douglas. Yep, Russell Douglas. Pull your head out of your ass. See, now that's coaching, T, and you've been preaching. Uh, these coaches haven't been able to get the job done. They haven't been able to find the talent inside of these players. It's it's not even coaching though, because you knew Russell Douglas was not a bad player, and no. he's a pretty decent player. We saw that, right. especially in that game. Was it the Packers game where he really shined? Yes, uh, coming in late in that game. Um, just okay. I understand Sidney Jones. His time was over here. You can't give too much time to a player like him who's only coming in occasionally. He's um a closer. He was basically our closer. Yeah, he's a second season. round pick. You're, you can't give up on those too quickly. Yeah, and my thing. Yeah, but my thing was, man, and now Sidney Jones is now he's balling out in, with Jacksonville. Like they're not really missing that much of a beat, and I'm just I'm I'm really disappointed in that well, because those two should be our outside too. corners, or at the very this minimum, all- let's have Darius Slate added to those two, and now we we have a formidable cornerback room. Yeah, instead of the crap that we have today. now report came out today um, relating to Jim Schwartz and Howie Roseman that Jim Schwartz actually wanted Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma in the draft. Um, According and, to Adam Kaplan. Yep. Exactly. And instead, uh, you know, Howie Roseman doesn't take that advice. And, you know, it could be uh, could have paid dividends for us this year. Kenneth Murray playing pretty solid with the Los Angeles Chargers. And, uh, you know, Howie Roseman's a name that we, uh, you know, we brought up before, but we haven't really you know, dove too much into. I know that we all have our issues with him. And I just feel like his time has been, you know, I'm, I don't want to say that he, his time is up yet, but it's certainly getting there. I think one major thing is because of the fact that he won a Super Bowl here and what? he's really close with Jeffrey Lurie. That's one of the reasons he's still here. But when you look at how this team's assembled and just the cliff that we've fallen off over the past few years since the Super Bowl, I've never seen anything like it. It's Tanner once said. What's he here for? Seriously, I feel that way about yeah. Ali Roseman at this point. Straight up. Let me guys. Let me ask you guys this: Who's gone first after this loss against the Ravens? Who's gone first? Howie Roseman, Jim Schwartz, or even Doug Peterson? Which I don't see happening at all. Jim Schwartz. I think, is- uh, we're all pretty much still on Doug Peterson's side. For the Jim, most part, Jim Schwartz yeah. is probably that would probably be the scapegoat. I don't see them getting rid of him unless the Baltimore think, Ravens just set a record against I, this Eagles defense. Listen, I think Jim Schwartz is probably top half, uh, maybe even higher as far as defensive coordinators go. Really, in, in I don't league. see it. I, I think he's top fifteen. Really, I think he's top fifteen. Yeah, I do. I, I think a, a big reason that maybe his time's coming to an end is because he's been here five years already. Um, and I know people like to move on from coordinators. They don't really last too long in one spot. But at the end of the day, yeah, Jim Schwartz will, could be a scapegoat. And I do think that, you know, Howie Roseman will not get rid of um, Doug Peterson I, I, or Jeffrey Lurie, for that matter. I just think Doug Peterson's here for a few years. And I think these three kind of all go hand in hand. I don't think Doug's gone. I guess if I had to pick one, I'd pick Doug over Howie because I know how close Jeffrey Lurie is with Howie Roseman, but I don't think Howie's going to just kick uh, the kick dog out of town here. That relationship's got to be severed, man. How, Jeffrey Laurie has got to see that Howie Roseman is really the, the one true mastermind behind all of this because I don't know. You have a special, you have a special connection with these older players for some odd reason, which I've never understood. And then 
You don't help out your defense at all, hardly, especially in the linebacker position. You've completely neglected the linebacker's position to the point where now it is embarrassing to march out the current linebacker core that we have now. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. We never, we didn't address that at all. In fact, we went out and got a third tackle. We went out and got Hargrove and instead of spending money at the linebacker position. And now when you start a football game, you have Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, and then you have a guy you're paying millions of dollars to and Hargra- Hargrave on the, on the bench, on the sideline to open the game. I mean, why would you take that money and invest in depth at a place you're already good at when you could easily go out there and get a solid linebacker? I don't. I just don't understand. And I agree with bulking up the defensive line because they like to rotate them. That's fine. I don't have yeah, no problem as, with as that. Next, yeah, but but that's something where you you do that if you're good everywhere else. Exactly. You, know, you want to do it as a luxury. You exactly. Know, right. Good in the Super Bowl year, you have corners and safeties now. Jalen Jalen Mills and and Roddy McLeod. To be honest with you, who, who in the world is our third safety? I couldn't. I couldn't even give it to you. That's how weak well, we are back. There. Some good news Will. coming out is that Will Parks is going to come back for this Sunday's game. So hopefully that bolsters yeah. up um, our safety position. But man, it's it's pitiful. It truly is. Yeah. Go ahead, Tanner. Going back to going back to um, Howie Roseman and Jim Schwartz. I think I I do think that Jim Schwartz would be gone before Howie Roseman. But what I do see happening is not. Howie Roseman being fired, but him stepping down. I think Get if we're in week nine out. and these Eagles have not had another win, they're still at one win. I think that Howie Roseman will step down. Um, I think there'll be an understanding between him and Jeffrey Lurie. And I think that's, yeah, I think that'll be more likely than him just being outright fired. I it's mean, ridiculous. you saw it with the Texans, even though Bill O'Brien was fired, it was still, he was still he had a press conference after that, uh, thanking the team and everything, which is weird because uh, he almost pulled he kind of did pull a Chip Kelly over there in Houston. <laughs> kind of, he, he, he did. He definitely, you got did. rid of the best receiver weird. in the NFL. You yeah, jackass. very weird to see him smiling and talking to the press and thanking Houston. Yeah, I mean, for uh, listen, allowing he's rich. him to take over. He's rich. Yeah. I, I guess uh, you know when you're rich like that, you can smile. But man. What a dumpster fire he left there in Houston. Wow. I mean, T, yeah. you trade you, you trade for a running back in David Johnson who's past his prime. Oh, you piece you of Swiss cheese. Receiver in a league. But again, part of that's not his fault. Listen, if he gets offered a job as general manager and head coach all in one, you're gonna take it regardless. But yeah, Houston, that's uh that's an interesting situation. But they did look good last weekend against Jacksonville, so we we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens there. It's a team we'll keep an eye on. Uh, but again, I want to mention one name we haven't, and that's Mark Andrews for the Baltimore Ravens. How in the world are we going to stop this guy? This dude is a freak athlete. He's what I wish Zach Hurts was at this point in time, and we don't have anybody in the world to cover this guy. I mean, listen, you want to put a corner on him, he'll just bulldoze right over him. If you want to put a yeah, linebacker but- on him, it's just going to embarrass him. <laughs> These linebackers? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I see happening all game is our players are just going to get the Josh Norman treatment. They're going to get thrown <laughs> over all, the whole field. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of Josh Normans on the field. Thrown over. Yeah. What it's do you guys be embarrassing. Think? It's funny to me, too. I think we all know where the season's headed, and it's not going to result in a playoff uh, you know, performance or nope. a playoff berth. Uh, so when you look at this – this down the line, down the line here, as far as the coach and the and the connection between the GM and the ownership, the one thing that we haven't seen in a while is change, right? We've seen Doug here multiple years. Howie's been here a long time, and Jeffrey Lurie, obviously. Do you, what what is it going to take for for these relationships to finally be like cut off? You know, because listen, these guys have gone through playoff games together. They've gone through a Super Bowl together. When is it going to like? Is it going to be? okay, they all have to mutually come to an agreement and be like, oh, this is a time where we all need to step away and get a change of direction. Like you mentioned, Tanner, with Bill O'Brien, or are these guys going to be hard-headed and say, listen, I think you're the problem and not me? You know, for example, if Doug Peterson going to say, listen, I think Howie Roseman is the problem. Do you think they'll, they'll turn on each other like that, or is it all going to have to be mutual? You know what? I think it all starts from the top, honestly. Jeffrey Lurie has to see exactly what the heck is going on. He has to understand that, honestly – Man, what 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 is going out there on the field today is just a straight up cluster. All right. It's 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 horrible. Like yeah. and it starts with Howie Roseman. It starts with the fact that this man cannot draft. He stinks at drafting. And that is the one of the core things that good teams, great teams build upon. 
You know, you want to know the reason why that the Dallas Cowboys are ahead of us right now? Drafting. They draft well. Yes, they're still the Dallas Cowboys, and they choke at the end of it all the time. But the reason why they're able to keep their heads afloat is drafting. They draft well. The Seattle Seahawks, even after getting rid of the Legion of Boom, you know what's keeping them afloat? Drafting. You want to know why the Cincinnati Bengals are on the rise? Drafting. The Bills, drafting. Young players that they're developing, coaching them up, and bringing them into the system, putting them in the position that makes them succeed the most. We don't do that. We put square pegs in round holes. We draft projects. I don't have a problem with us drafting Jalen Rigger, but in the second round, we could have picked up a linebacker. All right. But instead we wasted it on Jalen hurts. Then in a third round, we did draft the linebacker, which we have yet to see so far in Devion Teller. Supposedly he's a project because he's only played football for two years. Why would you draft a project that high? I've always said in the first three rounds is where good and great teams are separated from. Those rounds are picks that help the foundation of a football team. We stink at the at, at that in recent years. Okay, let's go back. Let's just talk first rounders. All right. So Jalen Rager's hurt, but Jalen Rager has showed promise. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack I'm not gonna that. Say that he showed promise, but. He 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 shown promise. He's got potential. Yes, he, he, potential. he caught the ball. Compared the ball. <laughs> compared to the rest yeah. of the guys I'm about to bring up, unfast. There you go. Okay, Andre Dillard, injury reserve, was behind Jason Peters. Dillard, has yet to see the field. Is, Dillard's time is uh, is almost up. If Jordan Mailata keeps playing the way he does, yes, is Jordan Mailata is the future left left tackle. Yes, All right. I agree. I'm, I mean, um, Derek Barnett. All right, still has yet to have a double-digit sack season. This Tate, is this is disappointing. Tate, I want to ask you guys this question. When's the last time the Eagles picked a player and you jumped out of your seat and you were like, wow, that's a great pick. I'm excited, and you're jumping for joy. It's been a nice little I while, unfortunately. Even when Carson got drafted, we kind of knew that he was going to be taken. You know, It's not like yeah. he jumped up and we were you know excited. Like, yeah, we, we kind of knew it was already coming. I don't remember a single time where – you know, I've I've heard a name picked where I got up and I was like, wow, like yes, like this guy's a stud. Especially you guys know me being a big college football fan. Like yep. I watch a lot of college players. I don't know. I haven't. We're gonna go ahead, Tanner. What do you think? Have you heard what, what is the I, name? Where I, you I liked like? I liked Miles Sanders getting picked, although it was speculated. I did like seeing Miles Sanders get picked by us and watching I liked him play it. at Penn State. Yeah. I was able to see his I was able to see his best game at Penn State. I liked it, but I didn't I jump for joy. For what he can do. Yeah, exactly. I, I liked it, but I didn't jump for joy necessarily. Now, I think the last time I honestly I jumped for joy was on two occasions, and that was when LaShawn McCoy was drafted and Fletcher Cox was drafted. That's the Fletcher only Cox. times I've jumped for joy for a draft. Fletcher pick. Cox is probably the last time where I was like, wow, this guy is just going to be here for years to come as a solid defensive tackle. Watching him play in college, yeah, uh, agreed 100%. And it's so sad because how many years ago was that now? Seven years? Yeah, he's Something 30 like now. He's, he's 30. Mean, let's, it's it's crazy to think about, and I agree. How he's had seven years, eight years since a pick is wow to me. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, how is he still here, man? It's it's embarrassing. Look product on the feet. How about a year ago when we skipped on DK Metcalf? Oh my God! Now, now, how much does that hurt right now? Watching how he played in that Seahawks game, I get uh, that. It's just incredible. We, us as fans, we want the sexy pick, we want the flashy running back, we want the flashy receiver. But when you when you have an opportunity to draft Kenneth Murray, just a solid linebacker at Oklahoma. I mean, this dude was the team captain, the leader of the defense. You don't you don't get the opportunity to draft those guys so often especially when they're a talent like his when he was able to fall to us when instead we was able to fall to us and we didn't do it now if we when we hear a linebacker get taken you were like okay like it's fine but but years down the road you look there and you're like wow like that dude is going to just be he's you're not gonna have to worry about him take he's going to be in there and he's going to play every game every snap um and i know that nowadays people want to get more rest as far as coaching and but still i mean these guys that we've drafted uh, these guys are coming towards the back end of their careers. I'd say Lane Johnson arguably is on the downhill climb now. And, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey obviously maybe only has this year left. Brandon Brooks, who knows? Is an outrage. Injuries. 
Jason Peters, who's been around forever. I know we haven't heard his name because he's been hurt, but he's still on the team. I am all these guys off. are from the that are still with us, with, with the exception of Lane Johnson on the O line, is from the Andy Reid era. And you haven't replaced or tried to at least um, develop a backup or develop their replacement, and that's on that's on upper management, man. That is a serious. Think about the Alshon Jeffrey trade. I want to go back management. to this for a second. Think about the Alshon Jeffrey trade. When he made that trade, Howie Roseman, I was excited as hell because I knew at that time Alshon Jeffrey was probably a top 20, 15 receiver in the league in Chicago. I mean, that dude is like the Allen Robinson of right now, back when we got him. Yeah. And to see him kind of just fall off as quickly as he did. I mean, yeah, the injuries did, you know, concern me. They still do. And then at this point, I'm surprised that we, he's still even on the team. I think he's, his career is almost shot. Yeah, I'm not. No, the, the same the same Chicago team that gave us Jordan Howard. I was excited when I saw yes. that in the offseason. We got Jordan Howard. Great. This uh this run game is going to be so much better. Yes. And then, yep. as you mentioned with Alshon, just a drop-off in production. This is a guy that was in his prime. He's what? He was 26 I think when we Jordan, got him. I think and with Jordan he was, Howard. But... He was top five in rushing yards. And then nothing we got for him. Now you see him in Miami. He's also not really doing anything. So maybe Chicago was where he was supposed to stay. But just he wasn't us, bad for us, though. That's, that's the thing. and that's and what I was about to say. Right yeah, now. Exactly. We could use them because he's that bruiser type of back. Yes. Yeah. We go back to we go back to the Packers game that I mentioned earlier. He had a great game that Packers game that mm-hmm. we mentioned with the Rasul Douglas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and he would be a perfect tandem with Miles Sanders. Now that Miles Sanders yeah. is the lead back, and then when we get down there around the goal line. Punch it in with Jordan Howard. That's yes. what he's known for, and yeah. uh, he can't even get on the field in Miami, which is beyond me. I just, I guess, yeah. Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida down there are holding down the fort. But hell, man, if we could, and he only cost them ten million, right? The Dolphins got him for. Yeah. Yep. I don't understand what the Dolphins are going to do with all these running backs. Uh, you're talking about Le'Veon Bell, who was one of the three teams was the Dolphins. It was the Dolphins, Bills, and Chiefs, and mm-hmm. now we know he goes to the Chiefs. But if if Le'Veon Bell goes to the Dolphins, that's just too many running backs. I don't understand that. That's a different discussion. But, yeah, Jordan Howard, the only thing about him is his injuries that he – we weren't playing him in the end of the season because he was injured. Right. And that's the biggest thing. Right. Yeah, the the, um, the coaching staff held him out just in case. And then around that time, like you said, Miles Sanders was really starting to heat up. And then also the emergence of Boston Scott in the screen game <laughs> – and someone in the running game as well is what, you know, helped propel that running game towards the end of the last season. So the need for Jordan Howard to run wasn't necessarily there. So, and I agree with you, Max, that Jordan Howard would definitely be an excellent compliment to Miles Sanders right now. However, you know, as we approach the trade deadline, honestly, the Philadelphia Eagles need to be sellers. Okay. They are going to be 70 plus million dollars over the cap. All right. That is not something that Howie Roseman is usually puts himself in a position in. All right. Usually he's very good with the cap. Usually he keeps the Eagles very, very well um, under the cap. But for some reason, this particular time, it's man, we got to get rid of some players and we got to get rid of some players quick. And I agree. It starts with Zach Ertz. I'm sorry. Zach Ertz has been playing soft. All right. I, you know what? I've said this before. And that Zach Ertz is a top three tight end in the NFL, bar none. However, what separates him from Travis Kelsey and what separates him from George Kittle? Yak. Yards after catch. Fighting through contact. Zach Ertz is a big-bodied, glorified right receiver. All right? He is not a tight end. He is a glorified right receiver. I'm not saying that I have a problem with that. However, the way he's been playing this season, not playing through contact and really looking lackadaisical out there, he's not performing up to his usual standards, and now Carson Wentz doesn't trust him too much, and now he's looking to an unknown kid in Travis Fulgham for catches? That's a problem, and I'm sorry. I think we'll be fine with Dallas Goddard, and I've said this before, even before all this came up. And Zach Ertz still has one more year left after this season. So we, so even if we didn't trade him this season, he would be on the hook for one more season next year. Get rid of him now. While he has a little bit of value, get something back for him because guess what? This team is in a, needs a full, complete rebuild now. you got to bring yeah, you some say youth. we have to be sellers. Yes, we got to be uh, sellers. I think we we got to be buyers too because what do we – you look ahead in the draft. Is there any player that really catches your eye? 
the only one that catches well, listen, my eye is Trevor we'll Lawrence, in, but we don't need a quarterback. We'll dive into we'll dive into the to the draft. Exactly. I mean, listen, we're we're pretty far out still, obviously, but we'll definitely be doing that in the future shows and do our research. Yes. But I'll give you three names where I would consider trading, and you might be surprised, but I would definitely consider trading Ertz. It's my top priority. Mm. But I'd also consider trading Fletcher Cox, and I'd also consider trading Carson Wentz as well. Wow. Um, Here's why. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. I think Fletcher Cox, Cox, and hear me out here, I think Fletcher Cox is at that point of career yet where people still view him where he's dominant. And I think the the fact that you have a younger talent behind him, is Malik Jackson younger than Fletcher Cox take? Uh, yes. Max, I'm going to stop you right there. You better have the best idea in the whole entire world to back up you trading Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I got to hear this. I don't know if it's the best idea, but we'll see. Hear me out here. Okay. You understand what I'm saying to you? Fletcher Cox, first of all, you mentioned the money issue in future years, right? True. I mean, with Fletcher Cox on this team, are we going to the playoffs or are we getting a Super Bowl trophy with the team we have around us right now? No. No. Do we have depth behind him to still be very capable of getting a pass rush? Yes, we do, because we have younger talent, first of all, and you know, I know we gave Malik Jackson a lot of money and Hargrave money, but not as big as Fletcher Cox's contract. We have Malik Jackson and Hargrave to back them up. We have depth at that position, and that's what you do. That's that's what smart GMs do. They take a place where they have depth, they trade a piece, and that's where they go and get a need. So that's my reason behind trading Fletcher Cox, because okay. I think if you let him go another season, he has battled injuries, and he's also going to be on the wrong side of 30. So that's Good my point. reason for trading Fletcher Cox. I still think you could argue and get a first or second round pick for Fletcher Cox if you trade him today. And on top of that, don't forget, you're cutting that money. Fair you're point. getting under that cap Fair to point. help yourself. Fair right? point. So that's number one. Ertz, T, you hit all the marks. You know, he's getting, uh, again, another guy on the wrong side of 30. You already have Dallas Goddard, cheaper version, and you can argue more talented version at this point. Uh, definitely a better blocker, and uh, he can still catch passes really well. So from that standpoint, again, you, you cut money that you, you're going to have to pay him if you're going to keep him, right? You're going to have to pay Ertz the contract he wants. And I know he's done a lot for the city and he's won the Super Bowl here. But no, I think it's time to get rid of him, get whatever you can, draft capital, and start to rebuild. And the Wentz thing, I'll put him number third on my list where I, 99% that he's not going to get traded. But I'd at least consider it because, one, again, the money situation, you're paying him close to $130 million around there. You're not going to win a Super Bowl, Carson Wentz. I've said this before. I told you. Wow. At best, he's a good quarterback in this league. Uh, but he's not a superstar anymore. He's not ever going to be back to his 2017 self. I hope you guys still aren't holding out hope because I know for wow. a fact he's not. He just too many injuries. And uh, it's time to rebuild here. The good news is we have cleared cap space if we get rid of him. We are also going to get a first-round pick. I guarantee you we can get a first-round pick. Somebody out there needs a quarterback. Uh, look at the Colts. Frank Reich and Carson Wentz pair back together. You can easily get a first-round pick, in my opinion, for Carson Wentz. So if you trade Carson Wentz, clear that money off, your books are opened up to you go out and you can sign any free agent in the world that you want. And you have now a real uh, – yeah, you're going to call him a project, but a guy who's capable and definitely has the legs too. It's another thing we like, the mobile quarterbacks and Jalen Hurts. And, hey, give it a year. If it doesn't work out, you're still going to be what they want to see. everywhere else. We saw this in other cities. Uh, look at Mahomes. They were able to win a Super Bowl before he signed that mega contract. You have Jalen Hurts literally on a rookie contract. You have him on a rookie contract. You can go out and have all the money to spend on linebacking core. You can spend on safety. You can spend on a line because God knows we need help there. Now, that's my opinion. And mm-hmm. you're going to need a GM who's smart and is willing to do this. Now, are we going to trade Wentz? Probably not. No. Fine. You know what? You want to go out and beat a mediocre team for the next five years? Be my guest. But my opinion, full-blown rebuild mode and i'll relate this to the phillies they didn't want to get rid of rollins and howard they waited too long they paid them and look did we ever go back to the playoffs after we play those guys no rollins finishes out his career here he ends up getting traded utley finishes out his career in philly then he gets traded howard gets hurt in that wild card game against cardinals back in 2011 after after that 0809 run everything was downhill and it was quick too yeah we made the playoffs in 2010 we made the playoffs in 2011 and since then, where we've got, we haven't even made the playoffs since then. So that's how I relate it there. What do you guys think? You guys agree with uh, all these remarks? Or wow. do you think I'm talking crazy with Carson Wentz? Cox, Ertz, and Wentz, man. Damn. That, you, man, you're talking about breaking up basically the foundation of the team. Now, we, I, we all, I think, well, at least me and Max agree on Zach Ertz. So there's no argument with that. Agreed. You Look, make you agree with Fletcher Cox. You have to you make a very compelling argument when it comes to Fletcher Cox. You have you depth truly there. do. You had de- you definitely have depth. The depth is there, 
And on top of that, yes, he is on the wrong side of 30 and he's not really performing up to his standards. I mean, like I said, on Gridiron Films, you can see, you know, the moments where he's not necessarily double teamed. You know, yes. he's been getting dominated. Um, he went up against top D tackle. He went up against all pro, um, all pro uh, David DeCastro guard. Um, this past uh, week against Pittsburgh, and he really did not do a very good job. He had a very quiet game, and that's a theme that's been really reoccurring in these weeks is that Fletcher Cox has been having some very quiet games, and that's not necessarily good for a guy that I'm paying $100-plus dollars for and I'm on the hook for in terms of cap. So you make a very compelling argument with Fletcher Cox. You may have just convinced me. You just might. I might have to sleep on it, but you may have just convinced me with Fletcher Cox. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, here's my thing. Has he had a, a really bad season so far? Yes. He has had he has regressed one of the worst so from the bad. I have I've never seen the regression of a quarterback like this in my life. Okay. Has he improved little by little as the weeks go on? You can make an argument for that. Am I ready to trade him? I might be forced to because that's honestly, that's the only way you can just value's a- never going to be hired. T. he's not getting any younger. He's not his, his previous injuries and surgeries are not going to magically disappear. This and- is where he's at. This is, this is how he is. He's not going to give you those flashy. I'm going to scramble out, throw off one leg and collapse type of place. He's not going to get sacked. And then he's going to randomly break out of it and run for 40 yards like he did against Washington. And that's, that's the done. thing. And that's There's the no thing. more of that. I don't There's expect no that, that out of Carson Wentz anymore. But what I do expect out of Carson Wentz at this point, I need him to develop that throwing. I need him to start throwing in rhythm, throwing in motion, throwing throwing a guy open. Like, he, yeah. he struggles with that. Unless it's a hitch route or a slant route or something where he can just beam it right there, he struggles with that. So... You make a very compelling argument with those three. I think Hurts is, is a leader. I saw him lead at Oklahoma. People follow him. And on top of that, he relates to all these other guys. He doesn't have much NFL experience. Neither do the guys around him. Greg Ward is literally our leading receiver right now in games played. I just feel like it would be a better fit. They would be all more on the same page. They can relate to each other more. And that's my reason for a possible rebuild. Now, I will say this. If you're going to do this and break up at least part of it. Now, I'm not just saying all this is going to happen. Maybe Ertz will get lucky if he gets traded. Fletcher Cox probably isn't going anywhere, neither is Wentz. Mm-hmm. But if you were, if we're going to trade some of these guys and get these draft assets, you got to hit on them, and that's my concern right yes. now. Yeah, okay, we do the right thing. We trade and we get these draft assets, but we have Howie Roseman who can yes. – So what's what's the benefit here? You're just going to get these picks and then waste them. That's what mm-hmm. the track record at, for Howie Roseman has not been good. You're, you're saying the same exact things yeah. that I used – that I was saying when, when we when we used to do this in the studio both, and that is if you're going to – get rid of somebody you need to have somebody behind to replace them and you better have a damn good gm to be able to replace them we have a replacement for Ertz. technically speaking we have a supposed replacement for wins mm, okay fletcher cox we might be able to get away with it but i think you still need that number one pass rusher on that defensive line which we don't have we have rotational guys exactly. so you make you, man you make a really good compelling argument damn i'm gonna have to think about this Here's wow. the issue. To add to the when argument, you, oh, go ahead, Tanner. Yeah, go ahead, Tanner. I want to to add to the argument of Jim Schwartz or Howie Roseman going first. I think what's saving Howie Roseman this season is Jalen Hurts. If Jalen, if we if we don't get any wins through Week Nine, Jalen Hurts is definitely put in this game. I think if Jalen Hurts performs well, all's forgiven for Howie Roseman from Jeffrey Lurie. Uh, now, of course, the fans aren't going to forgive him. Hell no. But I think that's going to save – I think that might save Howie Roseman if Jalen Hurts performs very well. Is that too late, Tanner? Is that too late waiting till week nine? I don't – I be think, good at your I job, think, you have to notice it. The quicker you notice it and realize, the better. This is why these guys get paid millions of dollars. Well, at this dollars. point, what do you, you have saying, to lose in this season? Look, honestly, what do you have to lose? You're not – even if you do I make the playoffs somehow in some way in this sorry-ass division, you're not going anywhere. Let's be honest. Yeah, I don't right. want to hear the division. No, no, no. I don't want to hear the division's terrible because that's fool's gold. If, if Say we, we go 6-7-1 and one, whatever it is, make the playoffs. That's fool's gold. This team's not good. We all know that. No. Right. Honestly, yeah. honestly that record would probably get us into the damn I'm playoffs. I'm saying if you're, to make you good at your job, especially from a GM and coaching standpoint, you recognize that this isn't going anywhere. You recognize that Carson Wentz just doesn't have it anymore. I know. It sucks. Believe me. I want him to be 2017 Wentz again, too but it's not going to happen. And 
the quicker they realize it, the better for our organization. Why do you want to just keep, you know, trying to be mediocre and trying to just be pretend like everything's going to get better because it's not. I would get hurt in there as soon as possible. I'd get hurts in there not this week, but I'd start giving them reps. I know it's going to cause turmoil, right? That's why you can't trade. You can't just bench bench Carson Wentz. No, you would have to trade him. And wow. you know, T, you know that deadline is what two weeks away here. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Now people could call me impatient for this. They could watch this and be like, "Wow, this guy is real impatient. He doesn't want to let Wentz go." You know, he, you understand what I'm saying? To you get healthy. He's got to let Doug and figure. They'll figure this out. No. Listen, we've all been diehard Eagles fans our entire life. There hasn't a week that we've missed watching an Eagles game. You see what I see. We, yeah, we're fans, but listen, we don't need to be brilliant-minded coaches to realize what we're seeing on the field. Carson Wentz isn't the same guy. Right. We all saw Jalen Hurts in college. Yeah. We know what you know. We know what he is. He, he could be talented. Give him the shot. Wow. Wow. Right. You talk about starting. Maybe obviously you don't you don't put him in um, this Ravens game. Unless it's, you know, we're getting blown oh, out at the end of yeah. the third quarter, you put him in. But can you even put him in against a division game, the Giants, the week after this Ravens game? Is that fair to Jalen Hurts? I think it is fair, and here's why. Uh, I think it, I, I say it's fair in, the, in, this, in this sense, and then I'll counter it. I think it's fair that you're putting him again against a weak offense. So he's going to get reps against a weak offense. My thing is they do have that bye right after that. So do you want to give him – you know, the Giants game, then he's got two weeks to prepare for, you know, the, what, I forget, what did we play Dallas after the bye week, T? Or I don't know off the top of we my played head. Dallas. No, we played Dallas before the bye week, and then we come back against the Giants after the bye week. Right. Mm. Okay, so, yeah, you, that's, that's yeah, again, you make a good point. Would I prepare Jalen Hurts to play against the Giants? Yes, indeed I would, because I, I just feel like you I have to you. see what you have yeah. in them. Are we really going to ha- – first of all, Jalen Hurts isn't a first overall, first top ten pick, right? So it's not like a Tua Tagovailoa right. situation where you know he's taken over for Fitzpatrick. True. We could put Hurts in it. He might be yeah. terrible, right? So the sooner you know and recognize, the better, right? That's true. Yeah. That's which, a very good point. Which I, by the way, think Tua has the best situation of any rookie drafted. Uh, he has the best situation sitting on a bench and watching Ryan Fitzpatrick. I've mentioned it before, and I think he's going to do well on this uh, Dolphins team. But now I look at the schedule, and we're talking about when's the best time to put Jalen Hurts in. And it might be the Giants game. Um, it We can argue back and forth about it. But then after the Giants, you have – after the second Giants game, you have the Browns, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, the Cardinals – the Cowboys, and then last week against Washington. This is a tough schedule for any team. We have the hardest schedule in the whole league. Yeah, part of that is yeah. because of where we stood last year, finished in first place, one of the division. We have to play a first-place schedule this year, and that's understandable. But one thing I like about Hurts, yeah, he doesn't have the you know that touch like an Aaron Rodgers or putting it in the breadbasket, yeah. so to speak. He's got a powerful arm, though. He's got definitely has a strong arm. I can agree the thing I like about him is the legs, being able to get out of the pocket and scramble and run. I like him on the goal line in the Cam Newton role, being able to call his own number and punch it in. He's done that a bunch of times at Alabama before he lost his job to Tua. Now, I just want to see him out there, and I want to see him get out there and just get experience, right? I just want to get him experience and see. At least you have some things on tape going into the offseason, Tanner. That's why I asked you if, if week nine was a little too late. We'll see. But I just want to have some tape going into the offseason where you can kind of – Coaches, especially not us, but coaches can see and, you know, kind of see and judge where he is talent wise. But again, strong arm, mobile, doesn't have like that Patrick Mahomes, that Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we're talking about some of the greats. He's not going to be one of those guys, but can he be a top 12 QB in this league? Can he be better than a Jared Goff? I certainly think he has the capability. I think he's got the capability of being better than a Jared Goff. I think we can think coach you team. up and you can be better than Jared Goff. We're not talking I, about that right that's now. That's my point. I mean, you're talking about first <laughs> overall pick in Jared Goff. Could he be better than a Ryan Tannehill? Possibly. You know, I'm kind of throwing him in that 12 range category with the upside. That's the thing. He has more upside than these other guys. He has more upside than golf because golf's been in the league much longer. Right. Tannehill, yeah, he had a poor situation in Miami. He goes to Tennessee. Now he's lighting it up there. My thing, my thing Stafford, with my thing with your argument, um, with piping up Jalen Hurts. And I and I like you said, we all watch Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma and also at Alabama. All right, we all know how talented. All right, this kid is, and I'm not arguing that. My thing is with um, everything, and I'm going to go back to the one thing 
that we are struggling with, and that is coaching. All right, is let's say we, for example, that we do trade Carson Wentz. Is right. this offense? Is is this coaching staff? Is Doug Peterson going to put Jalen Hurts in a position where he can succeed? Is he going to put him in a position where Jalen Hurts will be allowed to be Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts is a Jalen Hurts is a smart not. quarterback. All right. As of right now, T, you're, you make a good argument there because I could argue definitely you're right. You know, we don't have the coaches to have to put Hurts in the key situation. It also goes back to the drafting. If we were to trade these guys, are we in a good position to draft good players? And we're not. So like, that's where the issue starts. And I like Tanner's point. You have to start above. You don't start with the players. You start with the leadership. Doug, I'm not going to start there. I start with Howie Roseman. Like, Howie Roseman is the first guy that has to go for me. Like, honestly, we can all say that Jalen Hurts is a very smart player. We've seen him play. He makes very intelligent decisions. He knows where he wants to put that ball, and he puts that ball in very good locations. There's no doubt about that. However, to coach him up in the NFL, that's another thing. And look at what, look at what they've done to Carson Wentz. They basically broke him, unfortunately. Yeah. Carson it's Wentz is almost like a broken toy that's, that you can't be repaired. Yeah. And, and listen, there's tempers are high. Frustration is building. Uh, our patience, you know, is teetering back and forth. I know we don't have a lot of patience as Philly sports fans, but I guess it's just a work in progress. We'll see what they do this weekend against Baltimore, see if they can scratch out a W. Nine I just a, don't see it happening. And nine and a half dogs. Ooh. Yep. I, especially at home. I know there's going to be fans back at the link, so shout out to them. But, <laughs> I'm sorry uh, for the massacre that y'all about to see. <laughs> I know I know that we're short on time here. I want to throw it to Tanner real quick and see if he's got a couple more topics he can throw our way. <laughs> no, let, you know what? Let's just end the show on a positive note and talk about things that you liked seeing this you know this season from players whether it's okay. team or player who has impressed you the most this season i All like right. that question tell you i'll let you go first Woo, you're gonna start off with me i have got to bring this guy up we i personally love him because i love his style of play i love the contact i love the how he lives for the contact and recently his highlight just made it on espn and all around the world and that is Derrick Henry, okay? Derrick Henry is a straight-up animal. Every single time I think that he's not going to get better, he gets better, okay? First off, I brought up this stat to you guys. This man ran for over 12,000 yards in his career in high school. Think about that for a minute. 12,000 yards in four years, all right? That's about a little over 3,000 a pop. This kid, yo, man, Derrick Henry is a monster. What he did to Josh Norman should be illegal. All right, that man should be arrested for manslaughter. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I've never seen a human yeah, get see, tossed off me. like that. Jeez. I appreciate Derrick Henry because I have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> a, little, a little eh in the beginning of the game, but his production towards the end was classic Derrick Henry. And he, as you mentioned, is just a beast. Yeah. Just a big running back. Perfect for running back position. Oh, Bigger than his good. old lineman. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw uh, throw it over here to the Cleveland Browns and give them a shout-out at 4-1. Uh, Surprise. Definitely. They got a new coach, Kevin Stefanski, and mm-hmm. – they really do pound the rock. The Nick Chubb got hurt, but before he did, they had a two-headed monster with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They run the football really well. Their line's definitely better and blocking really well. And, uh, you know, when they want to go play action, they had the talent on the outside to do that. You know, Austin Cooper especially, they signed him, and they have Odell and Jarvis. The defense has always been kind of solid for the most part there in Cleveland. It's led by Miles Garrett. But, you know, at 4-1, and one, you got you to gotta admit, the Browns are a pretty serious contender. The only problem is look at the division they play in. They got to play Steelers twice. They got to play the Ravens twice uh, starting this weekend with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So shout out to the Browns. But again, tough road ahead. We'll see. And with that, we shut it down. Oh, man. Well, if you guys miss any of this painful episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. We are available on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the entire Shabazz. Check out our mini-series, all right, Gridiron Films, and check out my boys, Birds. Oh, jeez, I'm drawing a blank. I'm tired. <laughs> it's okay. I, I've, I've just worn... And the key thing, everybody, at the Philly Experience Podcast on Instagram, get constant news updates, film sessions, you get scores and 
all the transactions the birds make during this season. Hopefully they make some big time moves yeah. in the trade deadline. We'll see. Get rid of players, please. What do you got to Also, lose? don't forget to watch Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, future first time MVP at the end of this season. You better get you it. You can't go wrong point. watching a game with Russell Wilson in it. You better get it at this point. Are you piece of Swiss cheese? We should move it on to sports. Shut your yeah. He pisses me off. <laughs> In my opinion, that sucked. My turn!